a warm welcome to today's weekly Renewal Nuggets. Today, I bring Renewal Conversations, and I'm Dr. Ioana Popa, the host for today's Renewal Conversations. And I see this an oasis in the midst of action, helping you regenerate and renew on the go as you keep on giving and making this world a better place. And today, I have a very special guest for our Renewal Conversation, Liz Munz. And she brings a wealth of experience and professional training. She was actually one of my chaplaincy training supervisor, and I just love the trainings. And I get to meet her, and now we're in the same group of professionals that are continuing to develop and grow, and we meet on a monthly basis. And in today, I want to share, because she's such a wonderful mentor, a wonderful model of human being like you are, that she has a passion of helping others. And I'm inspired by her because she keeps training, she keeps progressing on her vocation to help others, discovering new nuggets, new ways of herself to grow, of self-growth, but also on helping others. And just a quick summary, this is a somatic experiencing practitioner, and she's going to describe a little bit what that means. And she's also a psychotherapist and her private practice hardline counseling, where she really specializes in treatment of anxiety, trauma, chronic stress, chronic pain. And in the same time, she's going to bring some training programs she's going to share with us very shortly. And by training, she's also an ordained Buddhist chaplain. She's been practicing meditation for over 30 years. And she is a meditation coach, and her subspecialty, which you'll share on her journey, you'll understand why, is helping people who've experienced adverse reactions to meditation. And she's also very passionate about understanding how to bring intentional awareness to our body and mind processes in such a way that can facilitate growth self-understanding and well-being. So it's not just self-awareness for whatever the reason, but it's to facilitate this growth and self-understanding and well-being. And her life journey and wealth of training and experience will inspire you. It inspired me just having this conversation with her. And she'll give us lots and lots of practical nuggets that actually you can apply today. So join me in welcoming Liz right now. All right. So welcome, Liz, to this Renewal Conversations. I'm so excited that you're here. I know we met for the first time in when I did my chaplaincy training and you are my supervisor for the two units. And I just loved and I know not only we were meeting as a group, but I had the honor and privilege to talk with you every week, going and processing everything. And then uh, the rest is history since we continued our journey and we are in the same chaplaincy group community that we meet every month. So welcome. I'm so excited to introduce you and everything that you have to share. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Iwana. This is a privilege to be here. Yeah. To know you. It's been a great journey along these past couple of years, mm. getting to know you and spending time with you. Yeah. All the fabulous things you're doing with this. So thanks for having me on your YouTube channel. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm um, curious. I mean, I know 
we've talked before and I know a little bit about your journey, but I would love to, to hear more about your insights because the focus of the YouTube is to bring this intersection between science, psychology, spiritual care, interfaith, and I bring the ancient Christian faith, but many of the people in the conversation might have different faith backgrounds and whatnot or, or none. But I'm curious to kind of integrate all that. And it's just a place to inspire people who have been already on the journey of helping others and giving and supporting others and, and also being in a process of teaching and process of of really um, empowering other beautiful human beings to on this journey like you've done and how what are some of the tips that you've accumulated along the way but also kind of your journey like maybe we can start with that like why are you giving why are you spending your life in really making others improve their lives and you know I, I don't want to put too many words um so maybe want to hear from you like what prompted you to be on this journey because we can do all sorts of things in our lives right mm -hmm. right right that's a great question um I think really this journey for me started when um I went through treatment for alcoholism back in the early 90s and kind of had a shift in career at that time I was in um sales at that time of a business degree and went back to school and got um, a counseling degree and spent a couple years in addictions counseling. And one of the jobs I was fortunate enough to have was doing some alpha theta brainwave training um, with people with addictions. There was a grant that some people who used to work at run the biofeedback department at the Menninger Clinic got to work and I was fortunate enough to work under them. So that really started my, I mean, I had a really a big interest in consciousness and I was meditating at that time and just this really, I mean, I don't want to put in, in dualistic terms, but this is how we talk about it, the mind-body connection. So I mm -hmm. don't really think, I think it's kind of all this process, but um, got into that and that just really kind of put me on the trajectory of just being really curious about meditation and consciousness and, and healing through those types of things. And then I had my first child and I kind of got out of that and stayed home for a little bit. But in that process, I really got more interested in kind of in, in more Buddhist meditation and really that kind of ramped up my meditation practice. And in 2009, I went to a uh, meditation retreat. It was a Vipassana retreat sponsored by um, S.N. Guenka, which is a, he has worldwide, he's since deceased, but he's deceased, worldwide centers that you can go and meditate. What's his name again? S.N. Guenka, G-O-E-N-K-A. Okay. I believe he was a businessman, I want to say from Burma, who uh, learned meditation and that really um, changed his life. So he put together um, a bunch of centers all around the world where you can go and um, do his 10-day Vipassana program, which is a lot of starting out with mindfulness of the breath and then moving into a lot of body scanning. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of meditation and a lot of, so it's a lot of meditation. It's like, it was a lot of meditation, like 10 hours a day and you have wow. Um, and yeah. the body scan, you were saying. And the body scan, right. And like modesty of the eyes. You don't look at people. You're not supposed to read or use. You know, back then, cell phones weren't as 
as big as they are now, right? All the social media, but we turned in our cell phones. We didn't have any of that. So there was just a lot of quiet and inward reflection. And it was really kind of life-changing on several ways for me. On um, the positive side, I really felt like I got some pretty deep insights into myself and maybe impermanence and things like this, the impermanent nature of being and how things are constantly changing and in, in, internally with thoughts and bodily sensations and the process that goes along with that. But about day eight, I had an experience where I felt as though I was body scanning and body scanning and things, my body just felt really at ease and like, just like energy. And then I had something happen where there was a small, I mean, I don't know if I would point right where my fingers intersected. I came across this really little small place that felt really solid and it kind of like exploded and felt like it exploded and my body mm-hmm. kind of started having um, convulsions like I was shaking kind of uncontrollably and it was just kind of really uh, destabilizing. And so when I got out of the meditation retreat, kind of these involuntary movements a little bit subsided just because I was out and talking to people and kind of coming back out of this wow. really kind of that must sensory deprivation. It was really scary. It was really scary. I kept thinking, I have two little kids at home. I can't, you know, be like this. And so um, that kind of started my trajectory into really what happens in mindfulness. How can we meditate safely? It took me many years to um, kind of, figure out ways to, which I can talk about as well. I'd love to talk about how to kind of heal myself from this. And it, I, it took a long time to find information and wow. what, was hap- what was happening. So, And I know one of your interests now is to help people also with the side effects, so to speak, from meditations, right? And help them right. how to deal with this in a safe way. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been a long journey for me. Um, wow. I finally, you know, with the help of the internet, I came across the work of Willoughby Britton and her colleagues at Brown University. She has done a lot of studies around what, what she calls adverse effects from meditation. So I was fortunate enough to talk to her and get some guidance. And I initially uh, talked to somebody who led me to Shinson Young, who's a meditation teacher, and initially he helped me kind of with, he said, well, people kind of come out aftershock, afterglow of these things, and it, you know, it seems like you're in aftershock, and you know, I really was, so kind of like how to, my nervous system now I know was just completely dysregulated by whatever happened, and um, yes. yeah. And this is so powerful because I mean, obviously, when we go inward, there's lots of things that we can tap into. I know I use the internal family system, so we talk with parts. And what I like about that modality is that we don't override. We don't do something that our system might not be ready. So it's a much gentler process and really tune into our different body sensations, different emotions. So there's never that side effect because it can be quite scary for people going inside Um, right so important yeah kind of staying in that window of tolerance that we're not as obviously 
Exactly. I didn't know all that before. Right. And I don't think right. it's known. So um, I like what you said, the window of tolerance. And that is exactly what's important for listeners to think through whatever we're doing, always kind of trusting your wisdom, getting to know your window of tolerance and not bypassing that. Um, right. Really listen to if there's any resistance or not, you know, check with a professional, check with someone, check with a mentor, a guide. Don't just override that. Absolutely. That's right. Beautiful. So important. And I think it's important to bring up like when people are meditating that, you know, there's so much hype out there that it's a end all get out. It's, you know, the yes. panacea for everything. <laughs> right. And you get those beautiful spaces and whatnot. And, uh, Which can yeah. happen, right? But right, then there's right. also the other side that can happen as well. And I think that's right. And Willoughby and her uh, group are finding out that even people using the the apps are having some difficulty, not to like an extreme maybe that I have been through because that was a different situation. So much right. meditation in a short, so but when, like, you know, yeah, going inward and say you, um, you know, bringing our attention inward can be distressing for some people, you know, right. suffering right. from anxiety or great depression or deep depression. And Absolutely. And when I teach contemplative practices, I use the same kind of principle. And I've always mentioned uh, right at the beginning that you never override yourself. You always trust yourself. Like if whatever I'm saying, I usually do short contemplative practices, but if anything that I'm not, that I'm saying doesn't make any sense, then just don't follow, like stay right. with yourself, stay true to yourself, stay true to your wisdom. And um, because that is so important. Um, yeah. I love how you just offer that choice to people, you know, to notice that you can always do yes. something different. Yeah. Right. And always, um, I think that I've experienced that also in the internal family system type of uh, contemplative practices or meditation. There's many choice points, not just at the beginning, but any invitation. If it, it does, this make sense? If this makes sense, do this. If this makes sense, do it. If not, don't do it. And mm -hmm. empowering people to know that this is not, you know, there's not a guru out there. They're like, okay, try this technique and it's going to work. It just doesn't work that way. Right. Love how, yeah, just being really flexible with helping people with their practice. Yes. And I so appreciate your sharing um, and how this came about in your life. I think that's so inspiring to just hear your journey. And I was so curious when you were sharing this, what about it that made you say, I want to go back and help others? Because some people, you know, might say, okay, I'm discovering mindfulness. I might meditate but they do it on their own. And that's nothing bad with that, right? Every person, mm -hmm. I feel their own vocation in life and their own journey. There are people who uh, I'm even thinking of um, some monastic experiences, right? They, they go and work more on their own connection with God. That doesn't mean they exclude people, but they do it in an indirect way. But for you, you chosen to be a counselor, to be a, a chaplain, to be, and you haven't even talked about that journey, but I'm curious what prompted you to really, I want to give in this way. I think because it took me, um, it was so impactful in my life. I mean, it's still something that um, 
you know, I'm still working on regulating my nervous system. And that's how I got to the somatic experiencing um, training that I did. And that's kind of a big piece of this um, to help regulate my nervous system. I just think it was so, um, I couldn't find information for the longest time. I struggled for the longest time. And I think that information is kind of getting out there about safe ways to meditate and things like that. But I just want to be in that because I don't want people to struggle or not know where to go. I want people to be informed that, um, you know, sure, meditation, there's many positive things about it and contemplative practice. And there's also this other side and there's places to go to help. I just hate to feel like people are struggling and um, not being able to find the help they need around that. Yeah. So just that experience, like, wow, this so was so powerful for me and helped me so much on my journey that I want to give back. I think that's just so beautiful. And you mentioned somatic experience. Do you want to share in a, in a nutshell, what's that, what's the kernel of that and how does this work? Yeah. So somatic experiencing was developed by uh, Peter Levine and in his studies, he saw that he was really curious about why animals in the wild don't get traumatized or like people do. They don't suffer as much from trauma. And what he saw was uh, that they're able to, um, or should I say that humans, because of our neocortex, we tend to our brain, the neocortex, brain, our right. frontal, the most the mature. And can I pause just for a second? When you say the animals are not traumatized, we're not talking about the actual physical experience that there is a trauma and then there's a response to trauma that can be yes. even more traumatizing, right? Is that what you're saying? Like a secondary reaction to it. Is that what you're referring? right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. So when say, um, an animal's been chased by a predator and maybe they get away or um, they're maybe through a freeze response. Maybe they fall down on the ground and the predator loses interest. That's a, um, and then they get up and they, they've seen in the wild, uh, you can see YouTube videos of this, uh, like, especially of a polar bear. They just like shake, they shake it off or you might see dogs shake and it, you might um, have an experience of, like having a close call of being hit by a car or something or something scaring you and right. noticing that shaking. And mm. what happens is a lot of times we as humans override that shaking, our mm. frontal lobes, like, you know, people say, oh, you don't need to shake or something like that. Or, or we just get up and keep going and we don't allow ourselves to kind right. of shake off that trauma. Right. We might be surrounded by people and we want to be tough for others or right. in a way. Yes. Yes. And right. And then there are also um, like we have these like fight, flight or incomplete defensive responses that we would have wanted to do mm -hmm. um, that we get thwarted. We can't maybe we can't do maybe we're um, just unable to run or or something. And so these mm -hmm. incomplete defensive responses get trapped in the body I and the brain. And they keep kind of um, wanting to complete, but they can't. And this is kind of where we hold tension and stress. And so with somatic experiencing, it's a way to gently go in with our awareness and okay. notice where we hold tension and where we hold ease and just kind of 
uh, help people complete those incomplete defensive responses in a really gentle way so that the nervous system can start re-regulating again. That is so powerful, right? There's a sense that there is a natural, that we are gifted with some natural ways to respond to it. And if we allow them to complete, and this is from a body level, right? If we allow them to complete, we're actually going to have less secondary negative impact out of this. You know, it just reminded me when you use the word completion, it's kind of like the same thing what Sebastian um and uh, my co-founder and Team for the Soul teaches in grief recovery method, there's a sense that there's one thing to lose something. We all lose, I'm not talking just a physical, but any transition, there is a loss process. But the reason we go into grief is that we're not completing the emotional reaction. Interesting. And when it's interrupted, we get into this grief that sometimes you feel like I'll never get over it, emotion and the crying spells and whatever. And what he does in the eight weeks process is allowing people to go through the motions and complete the emotional reactivity. In other words, allowing it to unfold, which is kind of like what you're saying on a body level. Exactly. It like you're you're right. Oh. It wants to happen, and in grief, I think so often our culture yes. is like, get over it, yes. move on. You know, gosh, two weeks. Come on. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Mm. So it's so interesting that, and we share obviously emotions also with animals. It's so interesting that we are already wired right? From a body level or emotional levels, you know, obviously I believe in God. And as a Christian, I'm thinking, well, God wired us this way. There's a way to naturally pass it, but we kind of interfering with it. And I'm hearing you're saying at the body level, this is also important. Wow. This is fantastic. Yeah. And I love what you said about grief, like this replication. I mean, we see people maybe having multiple car accidents because they haven't, Mm -hmm. it's like, um, you know, they talk about, um, you know, can we keep repeating old traumas or getting into bad relationships over and over? It's kind Ooh, of this like replication, that. like you talk oh, about yeah. in the, the grief process, just kind of replicating the grief or yes. replicating the car accident until we can complete move through yes. that. It just somehow keeps unfolding in our nervous system until it's, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips? I mean, obviously, if someone is engaged and does a somatic therapy, which I'll be curious to hear, I don't know if we have time today, but even for someone who doesn't do somatic experience, do you have some tips that you tell people, like if they encounter, like how to complete this body reaction when something like really uh, negative my experience, or is that better to just do it with a therapist? I think there are things that we can do in our daily life, like say you've fallen and trip don't just automatically get up out of embarrassment just or if someone around you does it encourage them to take a moment you know feel the shaking if they're shaking and just allow the shaking to complete and pause and um, mm. we can do that um, great yeah and I think anyway I think we live in such a fast-paced society that we are many of us just live in the fight flight Um, or freeze, kind of disconnected, dissociated, because um, I think just the nature of our being bombarded by um, social media and information and just how busy life is. So I think any time that we can take a moment 
and enjoy nature or notice when we're feeling safe or taking a pause and doing some breathing. I think that's so important because that's the opposite of feeling that fight, flight or freeze. You know, that's a different kind of more social engagement or feeling mm -hmm. safety in our system, anything we can do to build that in. Yeah. And I really love what you said, Liz. It's almost like, let's listen to our bodies. Yeah. The body, they have their intelligence. And one of the things that I, I teach in my Renewal in Action program to kind of develop those daily rituals and whatnot, one of the things that I teach at the end as we separate and release from the day uh, it's how to separate on a mind level, how to separate on a body level. And I notice in my own practice, and I didn't have language for this, but I think you just named it right now, Liz. Um, I notice sometimes at the end of the day, I feel like I want to shake the day, like on a physical level, like just yeah. literally just I move, I might take a walk and I, and of course, parts of my brain, what am I doing? Why am I shaking here? But I think you're just like, no, follow if the body wants to shake or move or, or rock or whatever it is, even just for a few minutes, uh, obviously make, do it in a place where it feels safe and you're not worried about people saying something embarrassing us. But, um, I think that's just a great, would you say that that's kind of accurate? Like it's a way to I do. Okay. Yeah. I think like anytime you notice, um, feeling stressed or even like the impulse to run, you might not be a runner, <laughs> but just even sitting in place and letting your feet run onto the ground and then just pausing and that. noticing what that feels like to just kind of get some of that stress and tension moving so it's not stagnating in the yes. body yeah and even like jumping or whatever i think you're just um tapping into something so essential that of course we have our mind intelligence like you mentioned yeah this is the kind of where we live day in and day out there's mm -hmm. the emotional intelligence there have been some more talk right now in terms of emotional intelligence and whatnot our emotional needs but you're talking about the body's intelligence that right. it will know what it needs if we just kind of pay attention to it in a ways obviously don't go to extremes right now and run uh, to 200 miles and like exhausted and, and <laughs> cannot move for two weeks right but in gentle right. ways right very gentle yeah i love that word being really gentle and kind with yourself and and yeah you're right really tuning into um what the body may be what you're sensing in the body what you're needing um, I think that's perfect to think Beautiful. about. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And you've got some other areas in your life that you studied and you practice. I mean, obviously the chaplaincy piece, you use the biofeedback. So do you want to say a little bit about that journey and how does that, um, complementing what you're doing? Yeah. And I haven't, I, I'll be honest, I haven't done a much biofeedback since the pandemic. I just okay. because meeting people in person, but I what just see that, that as a nutshell. Yeah. Yes. It's um, so biofeedback is um, noticing like what our body is doing. Like even let, let's say a thermometer is a biofeedback mechanism by taking oh. our temperature we see what our temperature Brilliant. is yes um we can do biofeedback get hooked up and see what our brain waves are doing we can one simple thing like learn how to warm your hands and then you can put a temperature trainer on your hands and if your temperature's going up you know that you're relaxing because our uh your veins and 
your blood flows getting to the hands, which is a relaxation response. Instead oh, of I really need that. My hands are always cold. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I see. Wow. Yeah. And you use yeah. that in working with people. What is that benefit? How does that benefiting them? Or has so that. Right. I think it gives them that feedback to say, hey, look, I really am, um, you know, I know I'm relaxing because my hand temperature is going up. Um, there's way to train heart rate variability, which has to do with um, coherence in the body and health. And so that they can train that and see, okay, this is um, I'm, my body's being more coherent because my heart rate variability is going up and so there's way and then there's ways to train like um diaphragmatic breathing which is meaning um, like that that thing between the chest and the belly right that helps right breathing yeah right so you can put like a uh biofeed uh, like a a gauge across the chest and one across the stomach because so many of us have turned into chest breathers just because life is stressful and that stressful shallow breathing and it sends messages to the to the brain that, Hey, something's wrong here or something stressful because I'm not getting enough oxygen. I'm breathing shallow. So mm. through strain gauges, you can help people learn how to lower their breath into their belly, which is way more oxygenating and relaxing. And so right. those are different ways right. to kind of use the biofeedback. Yeah. Um, and one of the things programs. that, Right. The way I've explained it uh, sometimes even in my, in the YouTube is that we have obviously the fight or flight, the sympathetic kind of system. And then we have the relaxing system, right? More the parasympathetic. And it's kind of nice to have a combination of both as opposed to just being a sympathetic go, 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 or right. the opposite will be freeze, right? Like when we're like, I don't know what to do, really constricted, but you're mm -hmm. saying through this kind of feedback, is that fair to say that you get to embody more of also the relaxing system in the same time. So it feels more integrated, more balanced. Is that a fair right. statement? That is a fair statement. I think that's great. And I think, um, you know, all of those systems are important for survival. And I, but I think so much of us because of like, you know, our world today gets so stuck in fight, flight or freeze that it's important to practice and to notice. Okay. How can I relax more? How can I bring more coherence, more ease into my system? Beautiful. Amazing. And just from your journey until now, is there any other aspects that you would want to share about on your journey as a giver and, and helping humanity to be better in, in your ways? I just think that, um, thank you for that question, because I think bringing it all into more of a point, like the chaplaincy, I was interested in chaplaincy and spiritual care, because I just think all of this is what it means to be human. Um, I think it's all spiritual. I, I see all of this is, um, how are we, I don't know, it's such a, a big question of who are we and what's the meaning, all those big questions. And so I love the, how all this comes together and the interior work of, gosh, who am I? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How can I be a more caring person? And it's hard to, you know, as this journey, I see that if I'm stuck in fight, flight or freeze, then it's hard to 
um, access the caring, the mm -hmm. loving kindness, because that's just a different system. I'm more in survival mode. So right. how can I, um, you know, a big piece of it for me is like, okay, how can I, knowing, recognizing when I'm dipping into fight flight when I don't need to be, you know, maybe my anxious parts have come up and Mm -hmm. um, I, then I get disconnected from my client or my friends or who I'm ever working with. And how can I notice that and come back to loving presence? Yes. And it's kind of implicit in what you're saying, but I'm curious when you say on that spiritual journey, it's the, there's an assumption that being in that loving kindness and this different way of being and connection that somehow that helps us on our spiritual journey. And I'm curious, how does that, how do you really understand and experience this and especially also through your years of chaplaincy and also being a chaplain um, supervisor and it, how does that connect for you that is a great question i think um how can i be in connection with people mm -hmm. and um where it's so important you know i think people i think we know when people are with us but they're not with us, you yes, know, like yes. I'm sit you're sitting with someone yet your mind somewhere else or their mind somewhere else. And you, I think people on a certain level, on a subconscious level, feel that disconnection. Mm -hmm. And I think we're, when we're working with people, especially uh, people who are suffering, you know, in our chaplaincy roles or our helping roles, it's imperative that we're deeply present. And mm -hmm. I think even that, that presence can be so healing. Mm. Um, in that relationship. And I think in both ways, I don't think it's a one-way healing. I think it's um, a global healing. And, but if I can't be in my own um, presence in a, in a grounded, caring, loving way, then that's a barrier, I think, mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to relationship. Right. So through that presence, through that embodied and being in the present in the now, what I'm hearing is that your experience is that that allows for connections, which are healing and that healing process is part of our spiritual journey. Definitely. Right. Yes. right. At least in my thought. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And I'm in your experience. It sounds like that you've experienced that with many people. Mm -hmm. And I love the word I love it like the embodied presence is so important i think if we're um it's easy to walk around from here with our awareness stuck from here up because that's our culture right very mind-based very mind-focused and just bringing whole body awareness because so much of our um information of what's happening around us is um, embodied in our in our nervous system and so being right. able to have more awareness of what's happening yeah, on a bodily level. That's just so beautiful. And I, I my my neck. I have a question for you, and I'm just gonna give an example so it makes sense for me in terms of my faith as a Christian, as a um, I like to call it ancient Christian faith because not a lot of people heard about Orthodox theology, and they're like, "What is this Orthodox Christianity?" It's an ancient Christian faith, but that really informs me this idea of the way we relate, the unconditional love, the emptying of ourselves to be there present for the other, this idea of a spiritual growth. And, and um, what I'm in my journey, 
because I had to interact with so many people of different faith, I found a way to just be present and embody my faith without having to, to mention it in any way. It's just a matter of it's informing the way I listen and informing the way I'm present with someone else without having the other person feel like, oh, she has an agenda right here. She's trying to change my, my whatever, my, my theology, my faith or non-faith. So I noticed that in you, like you have this ability and I know you have a strong faith as well. And I know in the same time, you find a way to speak to everyone, no matter what their walk of life is. But I was curious about your faith and how does that inform what you're doing? Because I know it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And um, so I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, that's a great question. That's a great question. I think I am so informed by um i guess in my own spiritual journey right now where i'm at i just feel like we're all interconnected um and i think that's at the base level that that is um i i always come back to that like it's not right individual it's just um and i believe kind of an in um there's goodness to be had i think it's easy to focus on the other, um, that there might not be goodness to be had or what's wrong in, wrong in people, which, um, yes. the othering, which happens and then the othering leads to fear. And so just remembering that, um, I do believe we're all interconnected. Um, and I think there's a lot of crossover on, um, spiritual beliefs religious beliefs oh i would love to hear about that because as a chaplain i'm pretty sure you've talked with so many right people of faith what the uh -huh. crossovers you've discovered uh-huh yeah i think just between um you know i love kind of looking at the different contemplative i mean each like judaism has their own contemplative religion uh piece to their religion and and buddhism and christianity has and I believe the Orthodox has a contemplative piece. And so I think kind of that, that's kind of where I like to look is kind of this where each religion and, and Islam having their contemplative piece and how um, kind of getting to this point of being, what is it to be in the ground of being, be in the presence of the holy and mm -hmm practicing that internally but then again through that knowing that um this ground of being is available and is always there for all of us and we are all in that ground of being soup oh, is right. what i believe yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, so beautiful and connected through those threads mm -hmm. so your progression my progression has an impact for the entire humanity in a certain sense everyone's progression right yeah and it might not be people's journey i talk to you know that mm -hmm. as a chaplain um they might um that might not be their way that they practice their religion but that's kind of where i come out of is frank yes mm -hmm. yeah i think it's just so beautiful that is so beautiful and i'm curious with all that what is that is there a project that you're working on right now 
Is there something that it's uh, cooking for you, so to speak, that you'd like to yeah, share? <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple things going. Um, just still kind of continuing and building my practice around helping people who are having meditation-related difficulties and kind of coming up with a training for therapists around what to look for and when to exciting. ask for, you know, reach out for different types of help or not. And, um, and give us your information. We can put it under yeah. so if people want to contact you. Would, would you want Great. To you bet. Yes. Yeah. Reach out. Yeah. And then I'm also working on um, a group for uh, chronic pain relief through kind of mindfulness practices. Okay. Helping bring awareness. So is this through your therapy practice? Uh-huh. Although, you know, the meditation um, difficulties and both of them are not, I mean, they're through my practice in a way, but they're not, separate. yes, they're separate. Yeah. They're separate. Yeah. Available to anybody. I see. So training other therapists, how to work with meditation and avoiding some of the side effects. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh -huh. Right. I Letting them know that those exist. Right. And it's going to be a program, a training program coming right, up. Right. Right. <laughs> If you're interested in that, follow Liz. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. Great. And then some groups, right? And obviously mm -hmm. your therapy practice. And oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. 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 It's been a, a, a great journey. Yes. Yes. And I think the last piece that for me it's so important is it's one thing to, as we teach and educate and do therapy, do coaching or groups or whatever, mentor others, it's one thing. And it's another, how does translate in our own day-to-day -day life? Like, mm -hmm. do you have any, as much as you want to share, uh, as little or as much, what are some things that you found yourself in, in your practice? Because the way I'm coming from, I feel like there is a need to regenerate throughout the day, not just wait for weekends and vacation. I think we're really putting a lot of chronic stress onto our, our bodies, our emotions, our mind. If we just, oh, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. And then when the weekend comes, I don't even know what to do or a kid might get sick or whatever. So this idea of regenerating every day through some daily rhythms and the other tenant for me is more, how do I integrate my body? How do I take care of the body needs, which I think you spoke of so beautifully. How about our emotions? How about our mind and our spirit or soul, however people call it, or true self? And speaking for that, right? What has worked for you? And, and I, I feel that we can have lots of ideas and suggestions, but we don't want to be prescriptive because what works for mm -hmm. someone might not work for me. And it takes some wisdom to how to really discern internally. But I found it also very helpful to have examples and, and with the ways that um, people like you, right, a leader in your field, how do you actually do this and embody this on a day-to-day -day basis? So they might give some ideas like, oh my goodness, what a cool idea. I'm going to try that. So would you like to share with us, like, what are some of your rhythms through the day in taking care of the different uh, aspects of your life that keeps you balanced and joyful next day when you wake up? I want to see my clients or I want to be my family. <laughs> I love how you focus on regeneration, renewal. I think that's fabulous because you're right. If we just, oh, you know, I've got a vacation coming up in three months, I'll relax. That's right. That's going to lead to chronic stress and things like that. So, I mean, for me, exercise is key. I know that if I don't exercise, I can really feel it. 
so keeping my body healthy and that and diet yoga meditation i think but part of my favorite practices are on the fly like and i think it's important to let people know you don't have to carve out an hour or a half an hour even oh for. thank you for saying that absolutely <laughs> that's part of the kernel of my program like don't do an hour you can right. do five minutes do five minutes right Who i love it anymore yes. <laughs> so even just like a simple practice of orienting looking around that helps instill safety as long as you're in a safe environment because fight flight we are our gaze is more fixed and you know even being on our phone during the day because we're like staring at it and our eyes are fixating that's putting our system into fight flight and we're on our phones many of us a lot you know and so even just looking up from your phone occasionally and making sure to look around, get your eyes moving, get your head and neck moving, get out of that fight flight. Um, Look, I'm going to pause and say, if you're listening and uh, watching and multitasking, this is a time to come back because I think this is so important. It sounds so simple, but it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful gem. You're saying that because we're so focused on computer, on the phone or whatever activity, mm -hmm. just the mere fact of stopping and reorienting and reminding ourselves that we are safe that actually helps us to switch into this more safe and relaxed is, is right. that what you're saying. I think there's such a cool, quick tip that you can implement today, literally. Right. And I love it because nobody has to know what you're doing. You know, you don't have to <laughs> say, I'm taking a break to shake or <laughs> walker, oh which is great too. But, you know, just looking around and taking time, even on Zoom calls, but just... Mm -hmm look around and you can kind of get out of that breathing as well like taking a deep breath while you do yeah okay. yeah i love that check-in that's another great thing where am i breathing from am i chest breathing or am i belly breathing and if i'm chest breathing focus on really softening the belly and and relaxed breathing um mm -hmm. grounding you know noticing we carry so much of our energy in our in our brains with our you know, our thinking, 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 or in our, you know, in our viscera where our emotions live and our body sensations happen, that if we put our awareness in our lower body, we carry, you know, our bones, our femurs are so heavy, our hip bones, we carry a lot of weight down there. We have big muscles, we have big bones. And if we put our awareness down there, that brings, drops our awareness out of like the freneticness that might be happening in our mind or in our our viscera with emotion and so really just dropping that awareness into the lower body gets it away from what might be more activating these are all things we can just on the spot on the fly do throughout the day which I it's so beautiful what you just shared because many times i think we're think trying to think our way through self-care Oh, right. what, what should i do now to do a self-care i have an hour as opposed to what you're saying trust your body rely on your body and really connect quickly like ground for safety i am safe and that shifts the body which will shift our emotions will shift our mind in just a very simple switch or take some deep breaths or switch awareness to the lower body right and then trust that the body will start this chain of reaction that we don't have to think through right is that right. what you're saying 
Right, yeah. right. And the body always wins. So if the body's <laughs> regulated, the mind won't be able to stop it. You know, the body has to stop it or the oh, nervous system, that. you know, kind of shifting states. That's yeah. a beautiful like nugget. A, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, even a little self, you know, self-contact if we're mm-hmm. a little hug or if we're feeling mm-hmm. stressed, you know, kind of. And then feeling into that support. It's not just the act of doing it, but really being intentional about noticing how does this feel, you know, and if it feels supportive, then really notice, how do I know that feels supportive, that kind of really helping encode or uh, put that into the nervous system. Oh, yeah, these, these uh, supportive feeling. And Right. Oh, this is so great. And we can do this so many times during the day. And it's so simple. Right. We don't need to take a break from our meetings. We don't need to take any, we can just really feel that so i hope if you're listening to this that you take those nuggets and really apply them uh and see i'm curious to put in the chat you know what what experiences you have had as you listen and try what what liz is just sharing right now this is brilliant and i love how you said just you know really being individual checking in what works for you what works for one person might not be the best for another or what it seems helpful at one time try it again later, maybe at another situation, you know, some sort of orienting or grounding is, yes. you know, is more appealing. And I think this brings back to what you shared about your experience early on when you did meditation. And I think it's a, as humanity, we are developing in terms of our ability to be aware, our ability to be um supportive to ourselves and to others i think in many spiritual traditions and not just that even physicians or practices or therapists it was much more of a one size fits all you know just do this abc like you look at the history of psychology and it was all freud at the beginning and then lay on the couch into psychoanalysis and then behaviorism came no 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 we don't do that we just change your behavior and then you change your life and then Maslow came with um, mm-hmm. what was the uh, his model of uh, humanism, right? It's all positive. If you're positive to yourself, you're gonna do it anyway. Cognitive behavioral came up, so I, I was always fascinated. I'm like, oh my goodness, they all come and they think they discover the holy grail, and they're like, they're the best thing on the planet. But ten years ago, there was another holy grail, and guess what? Ten years later, it's another one. But I think what it's becoming on a human level now is also with the online communication and our ability to really learn from all of us is that there is human diversity. I think even in in mental health now, we're talking about brain diversity. The fact that we are not, although our genetic pool is so common, 90 something percent, 99, we are actually very different. The wiring is different. So one size fits all doesn't necessarily work that it has to be more layered than that and really tapping into the wisdom. And I love all the practices that you're sharing. It sounds like that was also your experience. Like you've tried that meditation, right? Then it was like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's, I love what you just said. And I, that's so important. Like bringing that curiosity is huge, mm-hmm. a huge piece, like being curious about what's my own process. What's, what seems soothing, what seems helpful, what seems needed here. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is, you're right. You're not going to sit there and cookie cutter. Okay. This, this, this for everyone, because that's, everyone is different and everyone has different needs and people's nervous systems are different and their 
ways of thinking are different. And so it's just right. important to be curious with them about and tap what's going in, on. Yeah, and tap into the mm-hmm. wisdom. And I think that's what my experience in when you were my chaplain's supervisor, what I so appreciate about you, because it was not about the being a cookie cutter, it was more about what is my experience with this? What am I noticing? How can I integrate? What's the edge of my awareness? And how can I work with that to bring it forth as opposed to, I know in some trainings, it can be quite traumatic, you know, no, you got to do it this way or that way versus build from within. Um, So I wanted to thank you for that uh, experience that I had because it was so, so beautiful and Mm -hmm. gentle and trusting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. So as we're wrapping up, I'm wondering, do you have any more nuggets to want to share with our audience any from your vast experience things that they can take in either or apply today or just food for thought or I don't know I'm just I'm just loving this our conversation and the sense of really being true to your true self and authenticity I think that's just Mm -hmm. uh, what makes humanity rich and interesting and following your own um, North Star, what's true to you, I think is just huge. Yes. And taking the time to listen, to quiet down and listen to what is that for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that sense of listening, being true to yourself. And what is also very touching to me from what you said, also the sense of community. Like mm-hmm. we're not talking about here, be true to yourself. And then, okay, I'm mad with Johnny. Let me take a break and hit his head because I feel true to me, right? We're not talking about that. We live right. in a community and how can we be present so we can connect, so we can communicate, so we can together continue as a journey as humanity, which I think it's so beautiful. The way you shared it today is just very mm. Seems like a real imperative right now. Right, to be in connection in, mm. in a deep way, in a deep loving way with people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, f- anything else before we wrap up? No, I just so appreciate your time and, and oh. this being able to come on with you. Um, I so speak about things. It was just wonderful. I love what you're doing in the world. I think it's so impactful. Yes, me too. I love what you're doing. And thank you so much for your time and your kindness and sharing all this wisdom. And we'll put in the messaging area, your information, Liz, if they want to contact you. And thank you so much. This has been so beautiful and so rich. So thank you. Thanks, Iwana. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Liz, for coming on today's presentation. And Thank you as a listener for being in the shared space and time. I can wait to hear in the comments if there's any nuggets that you really found really helpful and some of your inner conversations or conversations with others around this topic. And if you need to reach Liz, then you can find the information right in this section right here. And I do have a reminder If you're watching on YouTube or following me on social media, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, there is a quick reminder that if you are a passionate Christian but tired one, 
or just want to want to learn more about regeneration and keeping and learning how to effectively regenerate and sustain your daily rhythm in such a way that you can continue to serve Christ with joy, energy, patience, and peace of mind, no matter how busy and without the fear of burning out, I really encourage you to sign up for the waitlist. And we are opening the doors at the beginning of August just for a few days. And all the details are going to be shared with the people who are on the wait list. I love to integrate science, psychology, interface spirituality with ancient Christian faith. And this is my personal invitation for you to join, even if you're not quite sure what this means, but if you're piqued your interest and curiosity, and you can sign up. In this program, the foundation is to bridge those languages, science, psychology, interface spirituality and Christianity. And with the pilot program per se, it will involve bringing this from a Christian lens. So sign up and I'll see you inside. And with this, I'll say goodbye for now. The links are all underneath. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you for what you do in the world. I want you to know, even we might know each other or not, that I really appreciate what you're doing. If you're listening to this, there's a reason for that. That means you're really interested in helping others and giving. And I want to thank you for that. You might go sometimes appreciated by the world or unappreciated, but I want to say that my heart goes out for everything that you do. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here listening all the way to the end. So thank you for this. And until next time, I say goodbye for now.